Jordan, what's up, man? Doing good, man. It's a uh... So another Friday here, getting towards the end of the year. We're just about done. Yeah, dude. Are you locked down or what? Oh, Mountain Valley. I love Mountain Valley, bro. Yeah, absolutely. It's my, uh, well, you know, the, the water's good, but the container and the glass is great. So I just, I reuse this, baby. Uh, yeah, you know, I am getting ready for just a nonstop back-to-back two days next week. I'm going to Portland, then to Denver, then to Fort Lauderdale. So doing a lot of prep for that and i'm excited but it's also going to be the most i've traveled this year so it should be interesting dude back in the jordan flow man that's uh get your cape out of the closet (laughs) (laughs) brush it off yeah exactly on the road man that must must feel good dude yeah i i I think so i mean it still is a weird time to travel let's be honest like i I was reaching out to my guys and it was like hey man you know we had a great year let's let's have some celebration dinners and they're all like all restaurants closed in the entire state (laughs) like (laughs) ah okay well i guess we'll literally cook our own food in the airbnb and that works too and you know it is what it is so you're going to three cities but two two days what's the third uh, so I got a, I got a two day, I got three, two days. I got the oh, one three. Made simple in Portland, the one with profit coach crew in Denver and the one with uh, rent scale in Florida. Cool. So where's your head at right now? Going into the end of the year, give me a status cool. check. Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say that my head is at, I'm feeling a little bit run ragged. I'm coming back to the thought of don't grip, think about the meta, the way the work is being done, my orientation, my prioritization, rather than just being like a dog on a problem, dog on a bone with a problem, which is my natural tendency. I really have to like step back and ask myself, is this important? Does this matter? Is the right answer here to stop caring? And it's, it's a little bit of a trick to me sometimes to realize that that is absolutely the right answer is to stop caring about certain things. So I think I'm revisiting that lesson. That's where my head's at. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on the enjoy the moment thing. That's always a struggle, but working on that. I'm I'm going, so I've pulled way back. It's funny, a friend of mine, I'm actually not on uh, Instagram anymore, but my wife showed me this post where my friend was like, coming for you 2021. I was like, whoa, I'm back up. <laughs> I was like, did you not learn anything from <laughs> Like, so yeah, I'm pulling back, which I think might actually be a positive. And I'm just trying to like live well today and, uh, and do what I can today, you know? So I'm not projecting too much into like, cause I think we can all, we all know now that things can change on a dime. So uh, I'm kind of like, I got a two day next week for good life. And we've stayed really single focused this quarter, which I'm actually in love with now. It's like my new, like, like single focus has been really, really good for me. Mm. Um, and the team, I think. So I'm excited about figuring out, well, we, we already know what our next focus is next month or next quarter. We're going to be really just dialed in on efficiencies, like process efficiencies, optimizing the, the processes. And so that's kind of laid out, I guess the rest of the two days, just checking in with the team and whatnot. And then just got some good family stuff cooked up for Christmas and things like that, man. You know, as I talk to you, I find that one of the things that I take away from our conversation is that life is like a wave, like you're in and out. There's a peak and there's a trough. And 
that's a natural state of things to come in and out of it as opposed to thinking like I figured it out and this is the thing and the thing I'm doing right now is like how it's going to be it's like no it's just like there's a natural ebb and flow like when you say you're you're, you're pulling back a bit because I know you were leaning in a bit a couple months ago and I can relate to that too this year has had times where I was like man I'm going to go on a walk and then I'm going to read a book and I'm going to go to the coffee shop and just like reflect you know meditate yeah. and at the moment I'm just like, I'm deep. I got both feet in it and um, it's, it's okay. That doesn't mean that one of those things was, was wrong. It's just, it's natural in different seasons to have shift. I think that's why the Buddhists talk about not being overly, overly joyed when you're there's success mm -hmm. and not being bummed when it's not. And that can be hard to swallow because you want to be happy when when things are good. But like, for instance, when I texted you the other day and was like, just feeling super gratitude mm -hmm. and you were you, your response was like, yeah, it's great. Like, I'm glad, happy for you. You know, something to the effect of like, you know, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, but it's always there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and sure enough, the next day I had like a really like crappy day, not like down, a crappy day, but I was like gripping <laughs> and I was just like, did I use up all my, like, <laughs> is the, is the, um, is the goal really, maybe it is just to kind of be like, even? And not, yeah, even, even, yeah, that's a better term. And I remember it kind of reminds me of uh, when I was moving offices once this, <laughs> this mover guy said something really profound to me that I, I always remembered. He was like talking about drinking and he's like, yeah, that's just borrowing happiness, man. He's like, mm -hmm. you take, you borrow happiness from the future for tonight. And he's like, you mm -hmm. can do that, but then you're just going to like hit yourself. <laughs> mm, yeah. So I was wondering if there's always this baseline of like, Mm, and you can pull you know it's a, it's a wave right at the end of the day the ocean because it stays steady it evens out yeah <laughs> chop chop wood carry water <laughs> yeah man but um what's a big lesson learned for you like this what comes to mind like well let's talk about the year man like we're, yeah. we're there this is the last podcast of the year this okay. is good this is good so this is no prep here no prep lessons for the year Ooh. Oh man. Hmm. All right. I'm just freestyling. First one that comes to the year is that my relationships in business are the most important thing, not the meta, the technical work that's being done, the how, the strategy. It is the interpersonal relationships, making sure that those are happy, satisfied, fulfilling, and healthy, and that there's good communication happening. Uh, and part of this is like a who, not how, finding great people and, and letting them do their thing. Jeremy quoted a quote to me from Cameron Harold the other day that said, it was basically like, stop trying to grow your business and instead find the people that can do that mm -hmm. for you. So partly I'm talking about who, not how, but partly I'm also really just talking about making sure that relationships are healthy so that you're not like, acting out or engaging in destructive or unhealthy behaviors or irrational thoughts to solve for relational conflicts. Like what's needed is a high candor conversation where you say what hasn't been spoken, but instead what you get is we got to take this radical path and we got to do that or you suck or you're no good instead of just like opening the heart and stepping into a place where you don't want to go. But if you do could lead to enough candor and freedom that there's, there's a lot more clarity. I think that's probably the main thing that sticks out for me. 
Yeah, feedback, man. That's that 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 was a theme for me this year as well. How do you make sure that that continues? You know, like it, there's kind of like an automation aspect of it. You got to built in. Have you thought at all about that? So it's not a one off. Well, I'm I'm working through it right now. I'm actually engaged in a what feels like a high stakes conversation in an important work relationship where we've been working our way up talking about some tactical friction. Like you say this tactic, I say that tactic. Okay, retrench, make a better argument on the level of tactics. And now it's elevated to like kind of, you know, multi-page essays on this, this doing it this way versus that way. And, and I feel like we're just, we're so close to like getting past the bullshit and just being able to have a direct conversation when we say like, hey, here's, here's how I'm, here's really how I'm, feeling here's how I'm feeling you know threatened or concerned and um, I'm excited to step into that bigger conversation here in the near future as we're going to be getting together in person but that that to me is just like an example of like staying at it as opposed to backing down and backing down or just engaging in the fantasy that like it, it really is an issue of my tactic versus your tactic or my position versus your position as opposed to seeing that there is a bigger deeper conversation that's fundamentally not business oriented in nature just maintaining that awareness and pressing into it even if it's slow and even if everybody doesn't even acknowledge that that's what it is that's the thing that's been most useful to me yeah what comes up for me is with with that discussion is having an academic discussion around things that aren't tied Mm -hmm. to ego Mm-hmm. And it's a really good tool that I've been using that's been helpful for me where it's like, like someone recently called me for advice on something. And I'm like, all right, well, let's just have an academic like discussion about things I like about it and things, things that might be a challenge. So it's not drawing because people get like, you know, their ideas and whatnot. So something like that. And I did this with Dave. Uh, one of my guys was like, okay, argue for, argue against your position. Like, you know, and I'll, mm. I'll argue against my position. Like, mm. let me, I'll argue for, you know what I mean? And it kind of like, and that leads me into one of my big themes for the year, which is like the, I don't know mind. Mm. Like when, when you go, th- when you go into life, knowing everything, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. And so this year I really tried to adopt as much as possible. Like the, I don't know mind. Um, and it, it, it just, it just opens things up, you know, um, disarms the ego a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think you, I think, uh, you can do it in a way that doesn't just make you a pancake and let people do whatever they want. It's just, it's just being open to the idea that you might be wrong or I might be wrong. You know what I mean? And so putting that on the, out on the table can be really freeing. I like that. That caveat doesn't make you a pancake. Nobody wants to be a pancake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just sitting there all puffy. <laughs> So can you, can you think of like any examples of where like you taking that orientation allowed you to kind of have a breakthrough or get further in solving for something than you might have otherwise? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I guess off the top point to a specific example, but just in the relationship, particularly with um, my operations manager, Dave, sometimes I get frustrated because his tactic wasn't my tactic, but I would sit there and at least be open to the fact that he could be right. Mm-hmm. before I entered in. So I didn't entrench right away. Right. Like mm-hmm. a lot of us entrench, like we go based off emotion or oh, not. We I'll talk for myself. I go off based off emotion. And then it's like my natural instincts to 
to, to entrench or, or pull back when, um, if I just initially think, okay, well he could be right. And I tried to sprinkle some of that on him. I'm like, dude, take the opinion that you could be wrong on this. Like, you know, like that, I feel like that's a, on, on a coachable moment. That's, that's a really good sign of leadership is like admitting you could be wrong or like admitting like you were wrong, <laughs> like, <laughs> but I don't know. So I heard a, a great question. The question is it's along the lines of if you were wrong or if there was a better way, would you want to know oh, yeah. as like a question to kind of open up, you know, just honestly, would you want to know? And the answer may be no. F that. I don't. I want to do what I want to do. But I think for a lot of us, like if we sit with that, it's like, yeah, if I'm wrong, yeah, I probably would want to know. Yeah. So relationships, which you brought up, it's also it's a big key for me this year in the regards that I had some I had I had struggle with, you know, um, my operations manager, Dave and I kind of had some issues and uh one way to resolve it was we weren't like talking about certain things and then so we just put everything out on the table a couple times with some conversations it took two three four and then uh to operationalize it which i kind of asked you about <laughs> to make sure we stayed on track is uh i do one-on-ones with the team every so often but i do a one-on-one with him every week like mm -hmm. where we just hop on the call and we go okay you want to start all right, start. And then it's like, it's something mostly now it's just early on. It was like emotions, like all just emotions. And like, I was really proud of Dave because he's not an emotional guy. It's hard for him to like talk about that stuff. So now we're more into like, okay, well, there's this idea, this idea, this idea. Oh, by the way, like, you know, what did you mean when you said that? Cause I didn't really get, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so just having that weekly flush is just building so much trust. And it's like really okay. helpful. And I can, when things come up, I can throw it on the list and talk about it at our little like one-on-one, -on -one, you know? I love that. So you, you basically just leaned in when there was some comments. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like related to this, a lesson that I've learned in the past that I'm still learning is positions versus interest. And this definitely came up this year. The interest is the thing that you really want. The position is the, it's the stance that you take that you think is going to advance your interest. And even this year, I took some positions and I dug in hard on some high stakes positions that I found out later did not actually advance my, the real interest, <clears throat> which was really interesting to me. Um, like I, I, I was leaning into some relational conflict and I was basically telegraphing, this isn't working and there's not a solution and we need to get out of relationship. That the solution or the answer is that we're incompatible and we need to get out of relationship. And in the process of going down that path, I found that that wasn't actually the case, that my interest was something um, separate from, it, it, was, it was something sufficiently distinct such that we, I was able to solve in a different way and be happy and satisfied staying in relationship. It's probably overly vague, but positions versus interests. Like I keep coming back to this thought and it is part of the, the beginner's mind and saying, I don't know. I think this position advances this interest, but I could be wrong. There could be like a totally another way to solve this. Mm, that's interesting. I haven't heard it said that way, but I, I get that. I like it. The, uh, oh, so this book, this, I, I started reading this book decisive and 
I can't vouch for it. Like, honestly, I stopped listening to it, but <laughs> right in the beginning, it, it gave me something kind of like profound uh, for me anyway, which was one of the biggest problems with decision-making is people, you do binary decisions. It's always like this or this. So like in your case, just maybe as an example, it's like stay together or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they completely ignore like the myriad of other options that are, you know, because yeah. you took a position like those are uh, choices are kind of like positions, but you there's like ways other ways to advance the interest in another example in my company, there was kind of this like vacant seat. Um, and it was kind of like, okay, is it this person or this person that goes mm. to that vacant mm. seat? And it was, there's kind of like going to be some maybe like politics around it. But then I realized uh, that we should all share that. Like we should get rid of that seat and like parse the, because we are all, all of us, us three, all have great qualities of that seat that we could all tackle like together. So like dissolving the seat actually for now and mm. just moving the accountabilities because a lot of times, especially in EO, uh, EOS, we can get caught up in like, like it's just a book form. some dude wrote. Yeah, form. It's bubbles on a freaking chart. And yeah, like they're helpful, but like, yeah, you get caught up in form. And so it was just a beautiful thing to see this alternative option that I really didn't see at first that took a lot of like talking to people and like sitting with it. I love that. That's a perfect example. Yeah. The answer is just to dissolve the thing that you're talking talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So for anyone out there, try that. Like when you're uh, this or this, you're going over like, okay, what are the other options I'm not even considering? You know, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any other big lessons for the year that stick out for you? Uh, I think we talked about focus a little bit. Um, staying single focused mm, is, is a yeah. big one per quarter. Um, scaling up the book talks about that too. That, single piece flow. I'm sorry to cut you off, but as you're saying this, I'm thinking about single piece flow is a concept from lean manufacturing that I've had to come back to over and over. And it's related to the idea of the theory of constraints, but single piece flow basically says that in order to optimize for the speed of throughput, that the best thing to do is often to complete one thing end to end, as opposed to having multiple concurrent projects. And that's like hit me in multiple companies this year, which I think is like getting at the same thing. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So so that's been one, um, you know, I think uh, really dialing in my team relationships with my team. I'm doing a lot of one-on-ones. I used to never do one-on-ones. Like I'm doing monthly one-on-ones with people. And I'm, so, something I wanted to ask you about was, uh, whoops, did I lose you real quick? Oh, there you go. Is I was talking to a really successful agent and this might be less applicable in uh, lead simple, but maybe one of your other businesses um, where he's like, dude, he's a real estate, really successful real estate agent based on referral marketing, like relationship. He's like, Steve, there's no way you have so many clients that you can't be in personal relationship with them. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess I probably could, but um yeah, I don't know. He's like, you know, it's either transactional or like transformational. And I like, we were like talking about that. And like, I was like, yeah, I've got to, I'll, I'll have to think about that. Cause you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, there is a, cause he was basically saying there's this 
he brought up this guy that this mortgage company owner who blew up and he was like, his one regret was like passing leads off. Like, he's like, if I could go back, I would have kept the leads and like, yeah, you can have people help you and be like, okay, like I'm still your guy, but Janice is going to assist you with this or like blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it got me thinking. And, and then I finally realized that the relationship component for me and like probably you too, is the team. Now it's shift from the client to the team. Mm-hmm. And at least in property management, there's only like a couple levers and one is maximizing the talent on your team. And so I really dove into nurturing personal and professional relationships with the team um, and really trying to develop them uh, as much as possible. Because what I did the two previous years focus on sales and marketing was like, nobody really saw me. And I feel like that's a, probably my highest leverage activity. If we're talking about like, what's your highest leverage activity is leadership and Mm-hmm. Like, I can call, I can coalesce people around a vision. Um, and so, yeah, to like, to be completely like off of that was probably detrimental to the company for a while. So I'm back. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, that was a lot there. So I'm, I'm interested to hear your reflections on making the big bet in invested in sales and marketing. I reflexively agree with what that guy said about making excuses about not having relational connection. But I also agree with what you're saying about your team is an extension of you, which means you have to be in relationship with them. Both those things feel true to me. I mean, it's really clear to me, if I was to stack rank my clients, it's 80, 20, right? And I don't even mean like what they pay me. I mean, do I enjoy them? Do they have some juice? Are they doing interesting things, you know, and the, the financial impact of the relationship, but that in totality, I feel like I could definitely 80, 20 and do a better job of leaning in more, even though I am a relational animal. Do you feel the same way? Like, could you 80, 20 your own clients in that way? Yeah. That's something to think about, you know, could definitely 80, 20 leverage is, is super sexy to me. Right. And so I'm thinking, yeah, I can pedal faster and be in relationship. But as the pot grows, I want to teach the team how to be in relationship. Because ultimately, it's not the relationship with me they care about. It's just relationship in general. And having like someone that's an expert, someone that they trust, you know, some, a partner. And so that's the, that's the skill to teach that's, that's uh, hard to disrupt, um, you know, and it, it's scalable. So that's kind of... I- I'm, I'm really into doing things that don't scale though. I find that I just, I get deeply suspicious of like when folks are like, but it won't scale. I'm like, I don't give a shit if it doesn't scale. <laughs> is it helpful? Is it useful? Is it right? Is it in line with who we are? Like, like me doing PM grow, for example, like that was completely irrational. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. Is it going to work out? But like it felt right as an act of service and an engagement in a bigger, more interesting conversation with my clients and so I did it and in hindsight, you know, it looked like a good idea. So I don't know. I just like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of suspicious. And I think the way I think about it is when I take a leadership position at a high level, particularly with content and people see that I can have a very narrow band of personal contact that still extends and affirms the thought leadership. And then that like is kind of the pixie dust that is over all of my team's interactions, as opposed to the much higher bar of, I don't exist. It's all 
it's all brand, it's all values, and that just infuses its way through the organization. I think that's great, right? We can think about examples like, you know, Ritz-Carlton, et cetera. But I feel like people don't acknowledge how much higher of a bar that is and are not like realistic as to whether or not they're hitting that bar as opposed to the lower bar of like, it's me. You're looking at, look at my eyeballs. I'm the guy, I'm here. I believe in it. You're hearing it from, from my mouth and I'm making myself accessible and, you know, learning in the process. And I think like what it comes down to is, is there joy in it? If there's not joy totally. in it, you know? Totally. And, and this guy is totally a relational animal and like wouldn't get joy out of passing it off to someone else, you know? And so it works really well for him. And I agree, like, does it scale should be like, there's always a question tree, like decision tree, right? Or whatever. Yeah. So that should definitely not, at least for me, not be like the first question that you ask. And then sometimes, yeah, things that don't scale doesn't mean that you don't do it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like the, the freedom component for me of entrepreneurship and like, how can I achieve an outcome with the least amount of effort possible? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like so damn sexy to me. And but when I say least amount of effort, it's like, it's not effort for me to do my unique ability stuff, right? Or yours. It's just like, right. that's not effort. It doesn't mean I just sit on the beach, right? It just means right. I'm championing the vision. I'm hunting. Oh, I love the analogy that he told me of, uh, of a hunter. He's like, dude, me and you are hunters. He's like, we're hunting every day, like for ideas, breakthroughs, you know, deals. And I'm like, that's so true. Like, so like learning, th uh, reading, thinking, you know, just out there hunting and then developing the team. You know, those are, those are like kind of my top three. Hmm. Hmm. I dig it. I, I mean, I'm curious, like, do you feel like that you found or do you know what the most interesting conversation is to have with your prospect, with your, your clients? Cause I feel like for me, that was a huge breakthrough. Like I, when I get on the phone with somebody in the PM biz that I've never met before, it's just like reflexive and intuitive to me to have probably about like a half hour of back and forth of like question asking penetration. Um, because it's something I'm interested in and they're really interested in. And so it's like a good, a good conduit. Do you, do you feel like you know what that is or that exists for you of the thing that you're really interested in and that they're really interested in generally speaking? My team? No, your, your, your clients. Oh, my clients. No, I mean, it's different for, for different clients. And it's honestly, it's been so long since I've been in the BDM role that I'm a little out of touch with like the clients, to be honest. Like I don't, I don't talk to them a lot. Um, the, the, the really, you know, cl the clients that we really value, there's like a handful of them that, um, I still stay in, stay in contact with. I mean, I mean, we value them all, but I'm just like talking about people I've, that I used to work with that, you know, are still around and stuff. So, so yeah, man, it's, um, but I got, I'm just in a better space with it because I am more focused on where I can add value to the team, which is, um, being in relationship with them and not being like the visionary out in the closet that just comes and sees the leadership team once a week and passes people on the hall. Like, see, it might not be scalable, but that's okay for me because I don't know. I don't see me having more than, than what 50 employees, like ever, even if I had that, like hopefully 25, like I'd love to have a smaller, you know, shop that's more profitable and I can be in relationship with that many people, you know? And I can help impact their, that many people's lives. I think Dunbar's rule is like 150 people is the, the largest organization where everybody can still know each other's names. That's the yeah. scientific analysis. Yeah, yeah.
Here's a little bit of um, a topic pivot. Have you thought at all about any um, nonprofit work or projects within your business? Have you ever done any before? Is anything like that on your radar for 2021 in terms of like raising money or, or, or facilitating any causes that you believe in? Yeah, so I definitely give a chunk to certain organizations every year. Sure. And uh, so I continue to do that. I've toyed with the idea of a nonprofit and then I like went the who not how direction and actually met someone who has a nonprofit who I just really believe in. And so I, nice. I fund, great. I kind of fund hers nonprofit. Um, yeah, man, it's weird. <laughs> I love to have this conversation with you. I feel like there's an ego tied into like <laughs> profit, like, like uh, charity given. So yeah, like, do gooderism. <laughs> Dude, like, okay, so I met someone at, might have been PM Grow, but no, I think it was broker owner. And I, I've, I've talked about this at like a couple of talks I've given where like the guy was like, I was like, do you have to give 10% of gross or net? Because he was like in the Mormon church. And he was like, dude, it doesn't, you're missing the point, Steve. He's like, you're just cheating yourself. Like, like if you give <laughs> yeah, more, yeah. You, you'll get more. Like, I mean, that's just how it works. So anyway, th that really flipped the switch for me. And so I set up a separate account and like I put certain amount in there every month and it's just like the money I give away. But then I was like, okay, how do I give this away? I wasn't feeling really drawn to anything. Like I wanted to like really feel drawn to something. So I, but I wasn't finding it. And then like I'd set aside time to really think about it and it wouldn't happen. And then I just, oh, well, let, just let it come to me. It's just going to come to me. And it's just like never did like year after year. And so there's certain organizations I feel whatever about like yeah I, I so I, I give money to them but I've always like wanted that one thing where I can give a lot of money and then I'm like wait am I doing that for ego where it's like oh I want to write a big check so then I'm like important to you you know what I mean yeah <laughs> and so now I'm like the opposite where I'm like no I'm peppering little amounts because I don't want it to feed my ego like I don't want to be on like I don't want to elevate to like the relationship person at the mm. nonprofit to where now they're like calling me <laughs> <laughs> they're hitting you up yeah. Oh man. I'm probably overthinking it, but that's, that's interesting. A rant. I was definitely asking less about like personal and more about like in a corporate sense, like, like good life. Got it. Um, but yeah, there's, I can definitely relate to that. I, I sponsor a couple of kids via compassion international and, you know, do some donations here or there, nothing crazy, but I feel the same way. I mean, I do feel a connection with those kids at Compassion, but there's there's definitely no nonprofit where I'm like, oh man, like I'm really like invested in this in this work. And I think that's just a function of like, if I was more invested, I would be more invested. Like if I had more proximity and more effort. So I'm thinking about that from a corporate perspective. And I feel like it's the same thing on the corporate side, man. Like the ego thing, it's like, is this basically marketing? Is this basically like we give money to some cause like to look good as, you know, as marketing, <laughs> which is that doesn't feel right, but it's also unavoidable. So it's probably just something to overlook. So it's on my radar for, for 2021 to do some kind of like a, like a charity event basically, and to find a cause that feels worth spending the time because in my mind, like the, mo the money is the easier part, like the time commitment and getting clear enough that on something that I actually 
feel good about that time investment, that's where it feels like the action is at. So that's definitely, I, I've, I've got some ideas that I'm kicking around, but that's definitely on my radar for 2021. Yeah, I felt the same way. And I got introduced through a friend of a friend to uh, a gentleman who really impressive, former Navy SEAL, like started a tech company, sold it. Now he like runs this nonprofit. And I went and had lunch with him and he, I told him that I was like, yeah, I like to just do giving personally because I just feel like it's like a marketing tool or ego thing, like corporate Lee. And he's like, not anymore, Steve. He's like, the way things are going, people expect you to have a social responsibility component, like to your business. Like, you know, like a lot of people do. Um, And, you know, if you're not making a better change in the world through your business like um a lot of people will look at that so i mean i guess that is like kind of like a pr thing but um but he's like i think businesses need to stand for more than just like making a profit and Mm -hmm. so i think if you can coalesce your team around something and so that's he actually worked for wine for water he was the president of wine to water and so we we did an initiative last two years with wine to water where, you know, instead of giving a referral fee to the agent or whatever, the owner, we give it to wine to water. And um, so we, we, that's been really good. And it's helped kind of show the team, like what their impact is doing. And so that's something we did. And honestly, like clean water. Great. Like I don't jump out of bed every day. like thinking like, you know, um, like it's, I don't know. It's just, it, it got us down that path, but um but the thing with charity that I've realized is that everyone does it differently. Some people go work for nonprofits and that's their calling. Some people feel really close to other things. Like you started PM grow. Like, do you know how much, how many people's lives you changed through that organization? You know what I mean? Like I only help. dude, my life and like so many people's lives. And so it reminds me of the Darren Hardy thing where he says, um, I'll take care of me for you and you take mm. care of you for me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the reason I'm not out, like, you know, chasing whaling fleets down is because someone's got that, like, you know, like I've got, mm. you know, making sure this company runs well, taking care improving the lives of all the owners and the tenants and developing the team. And so like, I'll take care of that here. You take care of, you know, like everyone plays their part. You know, what the, here's what that makes me think of the, the talk that you gave at broker owner and the talks that you've done in general that were not like 10 marketing techniques to blow your business up. I really appreciated and enjoyed. And what I particularly appreciate and enjoyed is that there wasn't like a pitch connected to it. I feel like in some ways that's like the downfall of people that speak is like this voice in the back of like, you must become a consultant. You need to have an info <laughs> product to sell the people as yeah. opposed to just like, this feels good. I'm helping people, you know, this is, yeah. And so you're, you're so right. Like that absolutely is not considered nonprofit. You're not feeding kids, but is that, is that any less significant or meaningful? Dude, it's so meaningful. It is. It's what, what does charity do? It improves lives. Mm -hmm. That's what the purpose of good life is. Life improved. Amen. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, some people, 
Yeah, it's like you, there's a high leverage activity. You help entrepreneurs become more successful. They give more, they have a bigger impact. You can help one person one-to-one. It's like, do you want to, uh, Derek Sivers, he just came out with a new book called Hell Yes or No. And it's got like a lot of one page, kind of like cool, quick hitter things. And one of the things he talks about is like, do you want to be international or local? You know, it's like, mm. do you want to have a one-to-one impact? And you, it's hard to be both. And there's not like a right or a wrong. Yeah. I think it was him that somewhere in my journey reading his stuff, he made this comment that fame is like a universal net negative to people's quality of life. And he's like, there was no footnotes, no evidence, but I just read that and I was like, huh, that's probably true. Like how interesting, how profound. Yeah. Yeah. He has a thing on fame where it's like, get clear on what you want. He's like, because if you want fame, you're going to have to give up some money. He's like, because actually what I've learned working in, in the music industry was that the famous people don't make the money. It's like, it's the people Behind that the own scenes. the frick. Yeah. It's like, people own the rights to the music. Yeah. They purposefully will take less because they know they just want the fame. But like, to me, fame was never appealing. Like that would have been a, a bad product, like a, a, you know, negative byproduct of like something else I wanted to do, but. I feel like I'm having this interesting conversation with a couple of people about this where we're coming up to realizing that trying to detach financial outcomes from from ego and realizing that sometimes the cost of getting the financial outcome, it's it's kind of like what you're saying, like is giving up the ego, giving up the aspiration, giving up the hope and the dream and the belief that this this thing you're working on is ever gonna be ever gonna be the have the sex appeal that you would be content for it to define your identity if you give that up you could just like let it be and stop trying to twist it change it make it better like you could just let it be what it wants to be which is something small modest that that cash flows but is not going to get you an ink 500 anytime soon does that land with you at all yeah i mean what i notice is let that it's going to define your identity that's just a pit of just pain to think about that is entrepreneurship anything. though bro let's be honest like that is entrepreneurship for yeah, most people that for, for myself for most of my career dude for me too like i but I, I i try to be aware of it like whenever i'm thinking like oh i need to go into multiple markets because like that's just like sounds cool it's like it's in that book rework have you read that book yeah he talks about like um Oh, you're talking to someone and you're like, oh, you have a hundred employees. Oh, that's cool. Like, oh, uh, you have nine employees. Oh, that's nice. You know, it's like how you get classified at a dinner party or something. It's all bullshit. It's totally. like, <laughs> yeah, it's all ego. Like, and it's just going to take you down the road of just pain. Like no matter what side of the equation you're on with it. So you just realize that it's all BS and like, I mean, oh, but I fall into the traps too, you know? So anytime I try to think like, okay, how am I going to really be myself this year? Like really like, you know, identify who am I going to, how am I going to be more me? It's like, you're already failed. Dude, someday I'm going to record a video and tell the story of this one client I have and like how her, her presence and life story is really impacted me you know we have these masterminds at profit coach and they're they're grouped by profit so like there's like 100k 200k 500k group mm. and there's this one gal that 
I met at PM Grow, and she was like, coach me, mentor me. And she just like, like totally followed the program. Her business is doing great. And what I've learned from this lady is seeing how other people react around her. Cause bro, she is like this, like repelling force for the male ego. She's, she's older. Like they just look at her and like, I kid you not, like some, someone that we both know who I'm not going to name had like a really negative experience of the psychological cognitive dissonance of like being in the same group with this lady. Like I have a huge business. Like I can't, we can't be peers. And yet like her results were superior. And it was like, it seriously causes like a lot of contention for some folks just because like their view of themselves is incongruent with the idea of being a peer with somebody else that, that looks so radically different and, and really just, you know, doesn't have that flash and sizzle. I don't know how I got off on that, but that that's been really yeah. instructive to me. I'm like, am I looking for the flash or the sizzle or the, the substance behind it? Yeah. Well, it helps you, you know, look at yourself and, and make adjustments. Sometimes when you find, see that in other people, it's like, totally. you know, where, where am I, where am I living that out? You know, cause anything you react to in another person is like inside of you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. Like, oh dude, that, I love that. When I'm flipping out and I'm like, what's well, cause of what they said, like what they did, like this person did this outrageous thing. It's like, no, nah, it's a hundred percent. Like they, I got hooked. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, hey can we end here with some book? Um, just a quick rip on titles, man. The best stuff you read in, in 2020. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm pulling up Let mine me, here. Yeah, let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. So I'm a, I'm an audible guy. That's what I'm doing here. I'll run through mine real quick. I'm about a quarter of the way into Work Clean by Dan Charnas, talking about the Mison Plus philosophy of uh, that chefs. It's like a code of, of ethics that chefs apply to and how it applies to professional work life. Only a quarter of the way in, but absolutely loving it. It's giving me a lot of conviction about mm. planning. Uh, and scoping culture code by Dan Coyle was fantastic. You can guess what it's on who, not how by Dan Sullivan. It's like, it's like, one of, it's like profound and yet boring. Oh, who, not how? Like, yeah, I know about that. Like, no, read the book, meditate yeah. on it again. No rules by Reed Hastings on Netflix and their corporate code um, was great. That had a lot of epiphany moments for me, even though I don't aspire to be, you know, that same type of company. The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh, one of the most successful football coaches of all time. Extreme micromanagement, you know, it basically shows you the virtues of micromanagement, which I thought was, was kind of interesting, even though it didn't all land for me. Mm. Um, what Got You Here Won't Get You There by Marshall Goldsmith on the behaviors that and the attitudes that can stop people from progressing in their career. Uh, and I think, I think, oh, and, and how to change your mind by Michael Pollan was really profound. I love that. What's the one book out of those lists that you, you will reread? You're most likely to reread. Dang. Um, oh, I think the one I'm most likely to reread is probably the it's a tie between the culture code and who not how culture code because i want to refresh in the concepts who not how is probably going to be like um greg crabtree's book which i read probably like twice a year got it cool man love it i took some good good notes thanks for that what you got 
mine would be Selling the Invisible by Harry Beckwith. Okay. Very cool about, um, it's a field guide to modern marketing, but it's based on service-based businesses. Mm. And like a short book, but like one, two page hitters and like really profound stuff. Um, Insanely Simple, The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success. I'm just going to give you the ones I really liked. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Mind at Home with Itself. Ooh, that sounds good. Byron Katie. Like, I recommended it to one person, and he said he listened to three quarters of it, but it wasn't for him. But it's like the book I've listened to six times probably this year. Wow. It's deep. It's freaking deep. Like, it's, it, but it's not for everyone. Um, and, Scaling up just as a business book, like there's a, it's kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of like, it's busy, but there's some really just solid ideas in there. And then leader strategy, leadership strategy and tactics. Jocko Willenick somehow figured out how to write a better book than extreme ownership. It's like better than extreme ownership. It's crazy. He's like, it's such a good leadership book. It's probably my number one. Um, and I think that's probably it for now. Yeah. Dope. Dope. I made it partway through leadership strategy and tactics. I need to go back through that. These other ones I've never even heard of. I love that we asked that. It's great. Cool, man. Oh, one last one. Team of Teams by General Stanley McChrystal. Was that was good. That you was read good. That one? Okay, cool, yeah. cool. That was really cool. Nice, man. Well, uh, good to connect. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy holidays. I'm yeah, in. you too, man. Merry Christmas. If I don't talk to you, happy holidays. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Finish strong. Merry Christmas, everybody. Peace. Right, Merry Christmas. See you.